Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to another edition of the Charles Coleman Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Coleman, and I am super excited to welcome you to another episode. We're going to do a different sort of thing today. We got a lot of conversation to have. We're going to talk about finding Willis on the stand. We're going to talk about this new crazy app where you have to get a certain credit score to even get on the app as a dating app that requires you to have a minimum credit score to even get in the game. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what is going on in Club Shay Shay? Because it seems like it's falling apart and getting a little wild over those parts. And we're going to talk a little bit about a new country music artist on the scene. Y'all may have heard. Um, but I need some help this week because, you know, usually I bring y'all the best conversations, the entertaining and the educational. But this week, I don't need to go back and do a guest or do a special conversation or anything like that, do an interview. We've been doing that and that's been great. We appreciate all the love, all the support, but we're going to take it back. We're going to get some of our contributors on. We're going to run a triangle offense. We'll have some one-on-one conversation. We'll do something a little bit different. So I'm super excited about it. This episode is going to feel different. It's going to look different, but it's going to be amazing. I'm super excited to bring it to you. So stay tuned for another amazing edition of the Charles Coleman Podcast, where you can find us all the way up and out of space on Pandora, on Spotify, on Apple Music, on uh, iTunes, on Amazon. All of the things is where you can find the Charles Coleman Podcast. we everywhere. So get with us. And with that, let's get to it. And just like that, guess who it is? One of your favorites, one of my favorites. Back with me on the virtual couch, of course. It's everyone's favorite chocolate, chocolate drop. She's still the loud mouth from down south. She's still my sister, the one who I needed, never knew I wanted. Uh, Hillary Powell is in the building, or well, Hillary Younger is in the building. Uh, wanna thank now you. these people got all my financial information. Well, I mean, you worried about getting doxxed? Is that what Based, I mean, in the right. wide world of AI, absolutely. In the wide world of AI. Hillary. Hey, babe, I haven't seen you in so long. What you I been know, doing? we have missed you. We've missed you. I'm so surprised that, you know, listen, uh, what's the guy's name who, uh, I mean, you're like the Beyonce of, you know, news right now. I don't know about Beyonce of news, but I, I don't know about Beyonce news, but I've been, I've been, Ryan, the Ryan Seacrest of news. Oh, wow. Right. That's, a, that's yeah. a big one. That's a big one. Kids, kids looked that up. He was a big deal. I mean, he was totally a big deal. He was everywhere all at once. I mean, they have scratched out so many names across the airwaves to to replace, yep. <laughs> to only be replaced with Charles Coleman, right? Oh, we are so proud. Look at that. Thank Look at so that I, smile. <laughs> Look at that million dollar smile. That's why they got you. You try to get me in trouble for my day job, and I'm not going to lie, but I appreciate you. Um, you brought something up that I really want to talk about. Uh you, you well, you didn't bring it up, but you but you did bring it up. Beyonce Ugh. in the country music lane. You're from Dallas. You're from Houston, and I know you're a huge Beyonce fan. You respect the woman's craft, and I would imagine that you know a little bit about number one country music, its origins, and its and, and how do you feel about it? Because you usually have a different take. She got. White folk going crazy. They lose their mind. They know about the loot. She about to shut down the CMAs next year. Like, we know it's a different thing. But you usually have a different take on things. So I'm curious to hear what your position is. I do. And the thing is, some people can respect the fact that I'm an iconoclast, and some people cannot because they're either all or nothing. A what? 
an iconoclast. A what? Children, iconoclast. So some people can respect that and some people cannot. It means that I can love the person without worshiping them. You know, I can I can understand their identity and the fullness thereof without having to not be able to like actually see them for who they are, criticize them and take what it is that benefits me and leave the rest. Like this, to be honest, there's no deity deity to me. I don't have one. Right. Um, You can appreciate her cultural impact. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. A A blind disciple. In actual fact, I am literally the first person to ever interview Destiny's Child. I'll, I'll send you the picture so you can put that. You can show them. I'm literally the first, first true VJ to ever interview Destiny's Child. So I love them. I love I mean, them. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I gotta. I, for as long yeah. as I've known you, I never knew that. How, I need this yeah. story. How did this happen? So I um I grew up in Dallas, Texas. We all know this, I need this and story. I, I attended. I attended Lincoln Communications and Humanities Magnet High School. And of course, this is on their voyage to, this is this is before no, no, no. This is during no, 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 because they came back to my school several times. But we had a, a radio and television studio in our school. And I was the VJ for the whole district, for the whole school district. So they're not the only people that I've interviewed. I mean, clearly, of course, my, you know, I've, I've done a lot more things since then, but they are, they're one of, I am one of the first stops that they ever made on their journey to fame. We're the same age. So it was really cool to, um, it was, it was really cool to interview them. We were both 16 years old. Everyone was sitting there. We were talking and never did I imagine that they would be, well, Beyonce would be who she is today. Never. So, so Beyonce is really like our age. Like she don't be lying. She's really our age. Yeah, she's really, she's really our age. Well, my age. I don't know how old. You, I don't know how old you are. I mean, no one knows. It's elusive. No one knows. How old are you? It's on. There's a lot of stuff now because now that I'm the Ryan Seacrest of news, as you said. Absolutely. So people been googling. That's- they try to Google it and it, it don't it don't come. It'd be wrong. Some stuff be right, some stuff be wrong. My network is somewhere. People have my all the wrong is information. North, it's north of two mil. I, I let that just sit. But yeah. then my um yeah. my height is at like five eight. Which is so crazy. Like, Which is crazy because crazy. if you were five eight, we wouldn't even be friends. That and we definitely wouldn't be siblings because I'm no, I'm yeah. five I'm five nine. Correct. So, so there's no way I would be looking down at you. Not at all. That's not saying happening. this is my big brother. This is this crazy. Is right. right. So 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 tell me about your take on Beyonce in the country music space. Oh gosh. I really hate to do this, but I feel like I'm one of the only people who gets away with kind of pseudo criticizing Beyonce. I think it was half cocked. Like I don't I don't think these songs were ready to be released. Now, do I think she could have a successful country album absolutely because if you really listen to Beyonce's music there have there's always been an iteration of country woven woven in it she has the yodel she has all of the elements she even has a true southern accent i mean so she has all the the, the ingredients to all make the all the pieces are are there but i think that greed and entitlement is really 
getting the best of her because we know there are so many other groups and artists in country music. And what I hate about, here I go again. What I hate about, what I don't like about us is that we're never researched enough. We're never up on what's actually current, what's real, our history, our culture enough. And we jump in the game and the, for the people that we worship, we think that it started and stopped with them. I grew Without up- Without black people getting into country music. Black people are country music. But bigger than that, there's Charlie Pride. I mean, even if you knew Hootie and the Blowfish when we were growing up, Tanya Blount and this guy- they Aaron just, Neville. Aaron, uh, 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 Aaron Neville. Aaron Neville, but then now there's Mickey Guyton and all the woman who Beyonce copied up of is her name Tandy. I think that's her name. I think her name is Tandy. Mm-hmm. If you guys look her up, she Kim Kim uh, Kim Michelle's been trying to break into country music since she began her career. So this is not Beyonce is. <laughs> Beyonce is not a monolith. We'll just stick to to you know something that people not can. Beyonce is not a monolith, and neither and, and neither are her fans, and I neither was... are her raggedy fans. I don't like people worshippers. I really don't. That that's what I struggle with. I struggle with the fact that a person cannot stop for a minute and just say, "Okay, she's great over here. She might not be so good over here." It's just like the people that try to make her a fashion icon, and we know for a fact that she's tacky. Yeah, I mean, you know what I find every day of the week. Anytime somebody wants to hold her up as a, a fashion icon, and and I have a tremendous amount of so for me, I'm a person who admires like above anything else. I'm always going to admire work ethic over talent. I like talent to me when it comes to people. I feel like it's actually a dime a dozen, but the people who are willing to work hard, yeah, like the Kobe's of the world, yeah, and the Beyonces of the world, I yeah. feel like they deserve every good thing that comes to them. And so for me, that's like where my fandom of Beyonce comes into, my appreciation of Beyonce comes. Because I'm like, you work that hard at anything. Yeah. You deserve whatever happens. You know, you deserve all of the things, all the great things. But I'm saying, like, anytime somebody wants to bring up, like, her as a fashion icon, I'm I'm like, how's the Darion anyone? Because that was terrible. Like, it was it was terrible. And I mean, I realized that was her and Miss Tina's vision. And they can be lovely people. But House Darion, if we keep it at a hundred, was trash. Well, that's um, the other thing about Beyonce, right? Is it nature or is it nurture? Or is it a combination of the two? I think a lot of Beyonce's iconic like magnitude comes from nurture. Mm-hmm. I think that she was great on her own. Like she, you know, she clearly could sing, she clearly could dance, but hell, every 90% of black girls in the 90s could. Now we've gotten into some different stuff where these kids don't have rhythm, don't understand. You know, it's different. But we all had a little something we could get. Yeah. I mean, she definitely was nurtured into the position that she's in. The hard work is exactly what did it. That You know, that doesn't surprise me. Your, your take doesn't surprise me. And I, I, you know, without asking you, part of it is because I know you so well. The other part was, I knew as somebody who was from Texas, you would tell the truth about yeah, that 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 those two two songs. Okay, so what I they really feel like, rushed. They do kind yeah, of feel they, rushed. They, they 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 are incomplete, and she is better than that. That's really all I have to say about the the songs themselves. She's better than that. She has 
more power, more resources than those songs. And I I don't appreciate her for whatever this is, the angle that that she's, you know, pushing, the, the agenda she's pushing right now. Because the other thing about entering into music genres, we've been around long enough to see that when people want to switch genres or even when people want to enter into the industry, what do they do? They collaborate. Mm, so why why not collaborate with the hottest, you know, country artists right now? Like like I said, like I brought up Mickey Guyton. Or or old girl who you kind of sort of took her thing. Who or old girl who you kind of sort of took her thing. But also, it was just have done to me generally. She showed up at the Grammys. Well, if you know anything about about the West and Westerns and Cowboys and the history of all of that, I my last name is Younger. I am a descendant of the Cole Younger gang. These are cowboys. These are people who rode out in the West. If you're actually coming to take something back, why wouldn't you show up with your gang? It should have been every black country musician Mm. in a cowboy hat sitting around her in the audience. She wouldn't have had to release anything. She wouldn't have had to say anything. She just showed up with her gang. I mean, that would have been colder to me, but her team- Or even if her gang- Meaning her family had on Western attire, like like you know. No, they, you show up with the people who are already leading the charge. You show up. You if you if you move in weight, you don't show up with people selling cheese. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you show up with the people moving weight. Were y'all coming to take the block back? And see, this is why. This is yeah. why I mess is right, folks. So heavy. This is why I mess. So, as you can see, everybody's just popping in, and we just getting it going right here on the Charles Cole Podcast, keeping it live. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about, both of y'all now, since y'all are here, there's a new app called Score, and it's a dating app. There's a new dating app called Score. I want to hear everybody's opinion on this, because the way the app works is to even get on the app, right? Like, to even get on the app. You have to have a minimum credit score. Other than that, you you don't even get, like, you can't get an invite, you can't get on, you got to get your credit checks just to get on the app. What do you think about that, guys? Some bullshit shit? Is it needed? It's doomed to fail. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, Okay, is it one way to vet people? I would think that someone would. I would think that that would appeal to someone like you, to an African American like yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that would appeal to you. Well, I've already matched my credit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've matched matched credit with someone already, so I really don't care about that. And the reality is, you know, for people who these same people are going to want something that feels more authentic and more genuine. But then they're matching based on credit history. It's weird. Like credit history does not determine whether or not this person is a good person, a good human. It only determines whether or not they've paid their bills on time. And so that's just a weird way to decide that you want to like be in a in a relationship with someone. Does he pay his bills on time? Because this is the other thing. Like I probably would I know people with bad credit that I would say, you know, I would link up with this person. It's a good person. Like you can improve credit scores. They got all kind of hustles and shit to raise your credit. Like you can't you can't give a person integrity and, you know, a whole lot of other things that are required to be partnered healthily. So you think it's doomed to fail. Kurt, what's your yeah. what's your take? I think it's doomed to fail as well. Um again, you 
credit score is a, is a terrible reflection of character, in my opinion. You know, people people co-sign for people being a good person and wind up getting jammed up. So <laughs> that's a terrible uh, way of, uh, I guess, trying to discern when it comes to dating. Just- Hillary, you kind of surprised me. I would not na- obviously not now. Shout out to my man said, but you, you know, what I'm saying you went. I feel like back in the day when you was like dating, like that might be something. Not, not that you would use as your no pause. Okay, so pause. So let me tell you something about credit, right? So for me, I get where you're going with this, and I'm going to go ahead and just answer the question for you, right? So let's think about this. If you have twenty million dollars. Right, you know, twenty million dollars, and in today's time, twenty million dollars is this attainable? It's easy. Well, I'll just say it's attainable. I won't say easy because now I'm, you know, if you have twenty million dollars, talk that shit. If it's easy for you, it's easy for you, Jack. Do you need credit? Do you need a credit score? Good point. I mean, you literally could buy whatever you want to buy if you cash heavy. That's that's a legitimate. So for me, back in the day, even current day. Your net worth means way more than your credit score to me. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Credit scores is credit scores is for for niggas that's gonna be working forever and ever, like at a job. Like you need a credit score because you gotta have something that says you're gonna keep going to work and paying bills. If I just like you said, if I'm over here cash heavy, I, who cares about my credit score? I'm not saying you shouldn't have good credit. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that in the grand scheme of money, it doesn't really matter. I guarantee you that some of the people that you think would have excellent credit probably don't. Mm. Yeah. Kurt, you're, you're, you're one too. I need credit, baby. <laughs> you know, in that real estate game, that cash heavy is not the way to go. You know, it's good to have a nice, when your brick is up like a disco duck, but I like OPM. Other people's money is, is usually the best form of, of investment uh, fortitude for me personally. But I get you. Would you go? Would you go on? Um, would you go on score? Would 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 you? Would, if you was if you was in the game, if you was in the no. Why not? Just it's just not the game I'm willing to play. Now I got a question. We've talked about the fact that like if you start in one lane in a relationship, meaning that like if you, for example, begin dating someone and their financial aptitude or you know is is your primary focus, what it is that they can do financially, who they, who they are, what they bring to the table, that you can't then turn around and be like, oh, but what about love and companionship down the line, so on and so forth. Kurt, are these people setting themselves up for a disaster by like, like if you meet somebody, if, if this is the premise or the underlying premise for like where you're looking for love, mm-hmm. are you setting yourself up or do these people still have like, oh, okay, you got a 720? I can fall in love with you. Like, do you, do, do, are you just, is, or, or is it one of the, is it the same thing where it's like, you already down the road in a way that's not going to allow you to switch lanes? I Well, you you know how I feel about the lane switching. You nah, know. Tell, tell the people, because they might not have heard. So, you know, um, well, to answer your question, the, um, those people who, who, who are going to use that as a, like a, as a measuring stick or as a tool to kind of wean out others. It's the same as like, you know, uh, title chasers, right? Um, people that only date people who, who in the workforce have a particular title, right? Oh, I only, only deal with C-level people. All right. I deal with the C-suite. Yeah. Right. But in that, right. You know, you're, you're dealing with a finite amount of people. It's not, it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of people in that, in that. In that there's, there's no wide net to cast with that. Also, that is just a silly litmus test. And, <laughs> 
And that's the thing. I agree with you. Other people's money is great. But in the grand scheme of things, I'm saying if you're just looking for, because sometimes people aren't trying, sometimes people are content. They got they whatever they got. And they're really not trying to optimize that. They're just there. So if stability and all of the other, that's what you're looking for. The credit score is not going to do it. That's something that can also change. It it, it changes. I agree. Yeah. There's nothing. Uh, so I wonder, I wonder if they go back and they check. Because, like, you know, my credit score, when I was trying to buy my first credit, I made sure that it was, like, airtight. Now, since that time, eh, it's, 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 done some, it's done some things. But you know, what it, I'm saying? like, I just wonder, like, if you know, does it? How 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 do they keep up with it over time? Because I might have got in. And yeah. It do they and kick I, you out? Like when it drops below? And do they seven, keep checking? Eight hundred seven. What is it? Seven twenty to get in? Is it like a spades game? Ten. Mm. Like, how much you got to have to get in? You speak your curse right. Check it. Is it a hard inquiry making it go down every time they check right. my junk? Are you checking it? Is it lowering the score? Is it, do you do all three bureaus, or it's just do you do the ones behind? Like, what do we need to do? Like, what's going on? Here? Imagine, imagine, imagine going to somebody's profile and they got their credit report, like, and they pictures. That's no way I would deal with somebody that lame. That's a lame ass person. That's I, wild. Experience is lit right now. Ass shit. Okay. Imagine the banner. And your profile pic being like your score circled in red. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy to yeah. me. Yeah, pretty wild. Oh, it's pretty, can you imagine how boring that person is? But is this a testament to how, uh, I don't want to say thirsty, but how desperate people are for love? That we're coming up with the most random and wildest avenues to try to find a partner? I mean, I, I, it's, yo, it's the internet. It's the wild, wild west. There are no rules. So it's just like... That's the part that doesn't surprise me. You know, somebody was sitting around. They probably got like they probably to to your point, Kurt. Probably somebody probably co-signed or something for somebody got done done bad. It was like I just wish that I knew what I was getting into beforehand. Had an idea, bow. Score no. Yeah, and now we up. We outside. That ultimate did it. That ultimate. <laughs> the ultimate. It was the rims, Kirk. It was the rims. The ultimate it wasn't even a car. It was the rim. Like, <laughs> damn. Like, the craziest thing about this credit score conversation, though, is like nowadays, like, girls have to have top tier credit to, like, care credit to get, like, uh, BBLs and all kinds of cosmetic surgery. Wait, you said just because they don't have a credit, you said they're getting credit scores for BBLs? Like, they're financing BBLs? Yeah, people are. Yeah. You think all these poor ass girls who work at Wendy's and Target and shit, have $20,000 laying around to get a whole new ass? First of all, it's not $20,000. Jackson Hewitt, baby. We, we, we back up. Well, that's, the, so those, that's, the, that's the income tax. There's a group of those, but there are also credit cards that you can apply for just for cosmetic surgery. Yes. And the reality is, you yes. know, Think about what? this, right? No, think about this. Think about this. And in the state of New York, Medicaid will cover it. See what I'm saying? What? Yes, sir. But but you think about it, you can have a low <laughs> you can have a low yield credit card. Like it could be like, oh, the credit card is three thousand dollars, right? And say for instance your procedure costs ten thousand dollars. You go to this clinic, I learned this, like this is some shit I figured out. I learned from someone. Go to the clinic, they'll swipe your credit card for the full three, right? They'll let you pay, 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 pay that. 
And then you you do it until you pay off your surgery. But you mm. have to have a good credit mm. score, a decent enough credit score to even get to qualify for the credit. Like, this I mean, credit scores are me. I'm not saying they're me. So, so more than what like, Kirk was so talking what about, is, I understand that this is a that's a business conversation, right? But in the grand scheme of things, your grandmother, my my grandmother, who never made more than four dollars an hour, had probably like a perfect credit score. You see what I'm saying? So. While I would figure she was a good person and she could cook and do all the other stuff. She had a big booty. She wore a house coat. Like all the stuff that y'all would like. It she wasn't wealthy, you know? Yes, like, she was. I mean, yes. in the way that in the way that these people are looking for, I'm sure. A person looking for credit score is also looking for something else. They're not just looking for a good credit score. So so what you're telling me is that it could have actually been somebody who they didn't give get beat on the ultimate sign off. They got beat on the on the on the, it could have been a dude who got beat on the breast and the yeah. breast and, the, and yeah. the booty lift. And anyway. he was like, well she left me upgrade was- gone wrong. Yeah. Upgrade gone wrong. I love that. That's a new that's a spinoff of this upgrade gone wrong. I wish wow I didn't even notice you could finance these things. Everything yeah. finance baby. Listen, that's why you need your credit score. Yo, Kurt, would you ever pay for a woman's, you know what I'm saying, uh, cosmetic enhancement? Would I ever pay for <laughs> Before, like, like, like someone you wasn't married to? Oh, hell no. I've yeah. really option, so <laughs> that's it. I, I've known several men who've done it on some big pun. I pay for the... Oh, get your own. Get your own, you heard? And I was like, you know when you break up, y'all, you can't take that with you. That was always hey, You can take that back, though. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm going to need those. <laughs> you going to take our titties out? Yeah, I'm going to need that. Get out of go under the knife because y'all broke up. It's crazy. She got to yeah. give, give it back. She got to give back the 30 cc's or however many, like however that works. And, and you're going to do what with them, sir? Hold that down. That's nasty work. They'll be, they'll be yeah, ugly. The filthiest of work. It's that the nastiest. Is, that is nasty work, bro. Word. <laughs> So speaking of Wild Wild West, nasty work, and we got to talk about this, right? Like, look, I believe that every podcast, every online platform has got to have its space to grow. I don't hate on nobody. I want everybody to get their space, they shine, and get their money. I really do. like we getting fired, right? Not at all. <laughs> but we got to have a conversation. Because Club Shay Shay is turning oh. messy as hell. Club Shay Shay got messy as fuck. Hey. I mean, it's messy as fuck fast. I'm talking about, and the thing about it is that I think, I think Shannon knew because before the Cat interview dropped, before the Cat Williams interview dropped, he was like, yo, he said to people, y'all not ready for this. It's about to break the internet. And since them 53 million views Matt. and everything that's happened since, this has been a mess. Kurt, are we going in the wrong direction? I think, well, Charles, it's a tough way to respond to that. I think we're moving in the right direction. But I think the people want podcasters to be the new saviors, right? Especially black podcasters. 
So with us, whenever we discuss anything, it has to be a representation of a people, (laughs) unfortunately. And when we get up here and we allow some riffraff to go ahead and do what they need to do, the, the, the dirtier the information they sprue, the more people want to watch. People so love I'm strategic, right? People love controversy. They yeah. love mess. So then, you know, mess mess now becomes a new commodity. Yeah. Are we going to peddle it or what are we doing? Hillary, your take before we before I get deep into this. Because I, I, I got a lot of thoughts here. I mean. Don't hold back. Don't neither y'all. You don't got to hold back. Just, just call for what it is. Like I, I have to agree with D.L. Hughley when he said uh Shannon Sharp is just Wendy Williams with a weight bench. Like Jesus Christ. It was <laughs> it, it was too much for me. Like, and I can I'm tolerant. I have a I have a tolerant the slight tolerance for mess. Like I'm a person who was a huge John Rivers fan. You know, like I loved mm. it. But this this was too much for me, especially coming from a man. Like where is the balance? Like, where is the balance? Like, that's gone. Who, who's reeling? Who is reeling everything back in? If not you guys, it's just crazy. I just never seen a man be that fucking messy. I'm sorry. And for me, it it was a complete turn off. I don't like messy ass men. I don't like messy people generally, but to see a man be that messy, it's too much for me. It, it was it was very feminine. And I know I might get a lot of backlash for that. I'm not saying it's it, it, just, it was too much for me. I don't, I don't like it. I don't so, like it. So here's why I'm at with it. Um, I think that I say this a lot. You can't hustle controversy for profit because you're playing with forces you can't control. And, you know, I get it. 53 million views is intoxicating. I don't know what I would do. If we got 53 million views on one episode, but chances are whatever I did on that episode that got 53 million views, I would do it again. I, I yeah. mean, look, you know, yeah. I, I understand. And it's all we do after that point. Right. That's, that's how we talk. That's how we do. That's we it. What else? That's, that's, that's it. Every day. Mess. All day. 24 hours a day. Mess. We just, Dream. I'm talking about, I just come in and just throw this shit up. Just wherever. Mess. Mm. I brought the mess. All in it. Just mess. Right. You going to get on and say what? You're hired. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, get in here. Why is it? Get in here. <laughs> um, I, 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 I guess the thing that the number one question is, here's the number one question. Um, for someone in his position, he has to ask himself, where do you want to go with this? Because this is a short... This is a short <laughs> road. You said to the what you say, Kurt? To the top. Nigga, that's what I'm <laughs> this is a short road. And I'm gonna explain why it's a short road. It's a short road because <clears throat> the only people right now that you're getting are people who got something to air out, or people who are responding to people who got something to air out, who are willing to come that low, right? Come and on. Then people, and then people who are looking to become relevant again because they can't go to other platforms and, you know, do what they're doing there. And so it's going to limit you because truth be told, if I'm somebody who's like really at the top of my game, like if I'm Denzel Washington. You're not going on that shit. I'm not going on that show. 
if I'm Michael B. Jordan and I'm thinking about my next move, I'm not going on that show. I'm limiting my, you know what I'm saying? You're limiting yourself to a very particular space. And, you know, to the Wendy Williams point, I guess that's a very, really, really accurate analogy because once you get seen like that, in that space. People also stop letting you in the room. Yeah. They're going to look at you different. Yeah. They're going to look at you different. And I don't know whether, like, he's got a couple things going on. He's got Shay Shay. He's got ESPN. And he's got um, the Nightcap. And I'm sure some other things that, that's going on. He might feel like, fuck it. I'm good enough. I'm, I'm straight. But I just feel like if you're really trying to take this space of media, entertainment, interviewing people, all of that, seriously, this is not going to be the, the route to get there, you got to reverse course real quick. Because now it looks like it seems, it seems like you're looking for it. That's all chasing your mess, like an ambulance chaser, like an attorney looking for car accidents. But you know what the other part of that is? The other piece of that is not just the guests are not going to respond. He, he targeted the most fickle audience in media. The messy audience, they're going to just move mm. from to the next messiest person. That's what they do. And while they watch you then, they get bored. These people's attention spans are very short. So now you got the 59 million views because of the mess. You got to keep it messy because now you're dealing with people that are like toddlers. They're not, that's all they care about. So if you try to bring information back, if you try to bring substance back, those people are not going to sit and watch. So what you do is you consistently stick to to the goal like whatever it is your trajectory is you stick to that and you don't deviate from it because organically growing is the best way to grow because that yeah. audience is going to stick with you and they're loyal. not going to stick around well, I mean, I, as much as i agree with you hillary you have to think about even in your response in my opinion right where your that response was very educated right and calculated but the people we're talking about aren't right so they will never understand that there's a thing that's happening at, on Club Shay Shay. They, they don't see it that way. They yeah. see it there was somebody would have some level of position of power, whether it be a comedian, athlete, whoever it may be, and they're outing people. The the, yeah. the, the, the adrenaline is, is about the out. The, the person who's outing, it doesn't even matter. The story yeah. nine times out of ten don't matter. It's just this whole uh, appetite for, for exposure, right? Yeah. It's like, yo, if I got something I, I need to say, I want to hear him say it about him. Because I've mm -hmm. always wondered what that person is like, right? But then also, too, I'm thinking, like, the people, right? So you look at a Cat Williams, right, who's who's coveted by this this particular community, right? I don't even I don't even know what to call them. But there's, there's his audience, his, his demographic, right? But then that those people aren't the type of people who can sit down and articulate the interview. <laughs> they, they can't. They can't say what happened and, and why they're attracted to it. All they want to know is their hero got jerked by somebody and we want to know who and now that we know who we've now created this uh proverbial beef that might quite frankly might not even really exist anymore but it's just it's exciting same thing like when taraji was crying everybody's like oh it's, it's messed up she's underpaid well yeah she may be underpaid but she's also dealing in the studios of of people that don't have the big bag like that so she's tight that Tyler Perry didn't give her a certain amount of money as if that was uh, Steven Spielberg. It's, it's two different pockets. So if you, I don't want to say typecast yourself, but if you're this actress or this this entity that want to stay true to your people, quote unquote, and keep it real, then you're going, it, it has a glass ceiling, unfortunately. 
And when you hit it, it that's when you get tight. And that's now when we, we we're gonna hit the, the secrets now. Now we're gonna hear about the you know the invitations that that was taking place at the parties and Blase Blivin this that and the third. We don't need to hear that. But Make is it- that but, but but is there any longevity in that? Kurt? Like you of really course. Think, you think so? Yes. I I I think that some mess is the new hero, bro. Here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. I feel like at some point something's got to give. Either the quality of your work is going to have to change or the quality of your guests is going to have to go down. That's mm. the thing. You're not going to get this. I mean, I, I really think me and Hillary are right on this one. You're not going to continue to attract the type of talent that you're looking for. I mean, he's had some really significant guests on there early on throughout what he's doing. I don't think you're going to continue to attract that type of A-list talent if this is what you're doing, I just think that it's going to end up being like, nah, I'm not, I'm not messing with him. Cause, cause you got to remember the trajectory. He started Shay Shay toward the end of his career with Skip. Mm-hmm. At that point, he was really, really popular. He was on Undisputed and people didn't really like how Skip was doing him. So he also became like, it was also like, we cheering for you. We want you to win. Right. Because he was standing up for himself. And- Correct, right. And we saw that. And so there were certain there were certain guests who was like, "Word, you you know I, I watch you. I res- I respect you. Mm-hmm. I respect you. So I'm gonna come on your platform and I'm gonna mess with you. That's where it started, and that's but- why he was getting the guests that he was getting. And I mean, now though you you had Cat Williams, which was like went a mess. Then you had um, Monique, which went even further left, right? And then, like, if you watch a lot of these, you know, to your point, Kurt, if you watch a lot of these interviews, right, one of the things that's the formula, I'm you know, I'm going to give you the, the secret. People don't always really watch podcasts. They watch the clips, like, like they get chopped up. That's why we, that's, that's the game. Like, that's really the game. Like, people watch, watch clips. So everybody's looking for the viral moment. Well, what's the viral moment? Oh, I want to get you to tell a story that you ain't never that nobody ever heard, so on and so forth. It's something that even when I've I've interviewed people like um Richie Murphy, I've interviewed people like Blue Williams, these are people who've been around like A-list talent forever. They've got a billion and one stories, but I'm not getting them drunk like drink camp, trying to get some out of them, make them look crazy. You know what I'm saying? And then I respect the fact that you can tell, I know. They got stories that they just can't tell or that they won't tell. I'm not. I'm people not who work in industry, we pocket people's business every yeah, day. Yeah, like, but I'm not trying to put them in a position where it's like, yeah, give me the thing so I can no. do it. Because I know somebody who's looking at my podcast is going to be like, I don't want to mess with that. Yeah. I just don't think Kurt, at the level of guests that he has, mm-hmm. in that messy space, I don't think it's sustainable. Well, Kurt also said something that I think we have to continue to keep at the forefront of our minds about media. We really have to stop thinking that these people are not journalists. Like the three of us, you, you graduate, we graduated from a school of communications, whether you don't say whether we're active. Well, you're a journalist. That's not even, that's not sleep on Charles. I mean, he's on every single channel on television right now. So yeah, absolutely. You know, amongst other things, 
these people, <coughs> Shannon Sharp is not a journalist. So when you look at something like The Breakfast Club, even with Angela Yee and Charlemagne and those people, those two people are degreed people who came out of the schools of journalism. So they 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 understand another level to what they're doing. So they mm-hmm. sit down and they talk to people. And the way they pull things out of people is very different. You learn something in those moments. When you sit down with somebody like Shannon Sharp, he doesn't have any questions to ask anyone where you're going to There's no takeaways there. There, there are going to be no takeaways there. It's only going to be inflammatory bullshit and toxic explosions. It's toxic. And, who, and for a person like, I, I, it could just be me, but I'm at my wit's end. I don't give a shit about what's going on with anybody else. After yeah. R. Kelly, um, Diddy, Diddy had his season. I can't, I don't, I don't want to know anymore. I want to go back to the days where the iron veil, where the veil is there. I just don't want to know. I don't, I don't want to know because what am I going to do with the information once I know? Like we know people who's, who've worked for all these people. We know people who've literally been in their camps, right? So it's not like people like you and I didn't already know these things were going on. But the reality of it is, what am I going to do with that information? Even for my own self, I go into people's homes, people who you know, like people who I could write a book, sit down and do a full expose on and maybe make some money like that. But the long game for me, that would literally ruin my career. I think that's really what it is. I think, you know what I'm saying, Carl, I think, and, and you can feel free to disagree or give your take on it, but I think that it's really a matter of short game, short term versus long term. If you can't, and here's the other piece, right? And I noticed this, this is no disrespect because I think that there are a lot of great sports podcasts out there, but I noticed that there are a lot of players in different leagues, particularly the NFL and the NBA, who are recently retired, meaning that they played in the early 2000s and they might be between five and 10 years in retirement. And they're all on these sports podcasts. And number one, I mean, granted, I'm not mad at having a niche. Like sports is your thing. That's cool. But if 85% of your podcast is telling stories about what happened back in the day or telling stories with your people who you played with and you played in the league for 15 seasons, once those stories are over, what else do you have? And I think that, like, with this point, I'm thinking, like, Hillary is, right now, Shannon, you hot. I don't know how you would monetize this. You can, uh, I'm, I'm assuming there's a way, uh, you know, YouTube views by themselves, obviously, that's going to be some monetization. But I think long term, for what you could do with your platform, given everything that you have going, you're on ESPN every day. Every day of the week you're on ESPN, you have access pretty much to everybody in different sports leagues. You have this, this platform online where you're doing streaming. For what you could do with that space in media, I feel like you're selling yourself way short going after the messy short money. Because I don't think that money is going to be there for a very long time because that community is fickle, like you said. Well, look at Nate Burleson. Look at Michael Strahan. And then look at Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was well on his way into spaces similar to mm. Mike and Nate Burleson. Now, no one who come on, dogs, you 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 messed that up. No one's calling. Yeah. Remember, Hillary, again, you're talking about a, a space, right? That that there's a differentiation of of the mindset, right? So you have an educated African American who's looking at long term and and productivity and impact, the real positive words of life, and then you got niggas 
who just want the spotlight and the fame. So there's two different two different trajectories of of, of vision for those two different people, and we see it play out, right? When you when like to, to use Michael Strahan and Shannon Sharp, you see what what the game gets you. You see what the mindsets do. I'm trying to improve my credit score. You see what I'm saying? That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep my credit score. Get a little side piece on score. (laughs) You know, but you know, that's real quick though. That's a really interesting point in that. I don't wish nothing bad on Shannon at all, but, uh, but I would be, but in, but in reality though, he not going to fight you, Charles. He's too, too tight. He can't move his arms and shit. You good. And you don't go dolo. When yeah, you exactly. We got when you when you when he left undisputed, arguably he had displayed enough charm and enough sort of like personality where from a trajectory place, a good morning America down the line, a morning show or something like that yeah. down the line, it he wasn't was- out of the press, it wasn't out of the question. And what I could tell you is I don't care what you monetize it off of YouTube. You ain't monetizing that good morning in America money. I promise mm-hmm. you that. It's that morning show money? Let me, let me explain that. something to you. Michael Strahan is making way more money right now than he was ever sacking quarterbacks. Absolutely. That is, that is an absolute fact, Jack. Absolutely. And so... It's Nate Burleson. Right, so is Nate Burleson. And so when you think about, you know, the crazy thing is when you think about the fact that, like, he hasn't been out of that lane for that long. The 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 Cat Williams interview aired this year. And yeah. we only in February. And all that stuff right now is I won't say it's 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 not a possibility. I would say he would have to make a very extreme pivot. He, he's gotta dial it back. He's gotta dial it back. He gotta do he's gotta do what uh Fonnie Willis did. He gotta turn his dress around. Y'all are bugging. That's my last that yo, you know what? Since you brought it up. Kurt, I'm, I'm, we all just going to stay on for this last one. That's my last one, is the fighting ones. First of all, I'm glad you said it, because somebody said it to me, and I'm a man. If I had said that she had to dress on backwards, I would have got smoked. So I said nothing about the fact that this woman had to dress on backwards. But I'm glad you pointed that out, Hillary. Cross, baby Atlanta. That's how we're giving it up. What? Crisscross. <laughs> With my clothes on backwards. What's up? JD, good. Well, hold on, y'all. So let's let's talk about that for real. Let's let's really educate people about that turn backwards, right? So, you know, I'm from the south, and now that people have stepped into different spaces of how long did it take you to realize that dresses on backwards? I got to know this. Did you me? know immediately? Yeah. For me? Yeah. When she sat down, I knew it was on backwards. When she sat down, I knew it was on backwards. And in that moment, um, I'm not sure how much you guys, I mean, Kirk, you hate shit, right? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah. Is it somebody on my show hate shit? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, bottom line is, she was practicing that merger, that that Christianity and that voodoo merger that happens in the South. Turn your dress around. You walk it back. When someone lies on you, right? Someone, someone lies on you. They've defamed you. They've tried to like put you out there in a bad way. She turned that dress around because that—that's the magic. Mm-hmm. You walk it back. Even if you look at how she put the pendant on upside down, the American flag, the pendant 
it's supposed to hang and be relaxed, right? She put the American flag upside down. Let me tell you something. I believe in her. And the reason I believe in her is because she really is sincere about what she's doing to bring her practice into this, to bring her practice of whatever somebody want to call it. They want to call it witchcraft, whatever they want to call it. But the reality is that shit's been being practiced on us for hundreds of years now. And she is serious about what she's doing in Atlanta. Now, whether she's sloppy, whatever, I still think she's smart. I'm going to stick beside her. I'm gonna stick beside my good alone. I'm. I yo, I I, I thought you were joking, but no, I'm dead serious. Just... That's why I say I'm dead serious. Look it up. Look it up. I didn't even and realize. If you notice, she had the bottle of water. She never drank out of that water. Mm-hmm. She never drank a sip of that water. I didn't. <laughs> wow, I didn't even. That is wow. Ask your mom. I'm sure she knows. I I will. I mean, someone else had pointed out to me that the dress was going backwards, but I didn't realize that. And then I didn't, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at the pen situation because I didn't even peep that. Um, I got eviscerated on Twitter. I said, I came in and I said, you know, I, I recognize the fact that her dignity had been attacked, that her integrity had been challenged, that her uh, professionalism was under assault. And I also said, when she first came in there, I said, yo, but you got to chill. I said, you have to chill. I, I acknowledge that she was sitting at an intersection of gender and race and professionalism. And even as all of those things were being put under a microscope, I was one who said, you still have to be mindful that it's too easy to fall into the trope of being an angry black woman. It's not fair. It's not right. It's not okay. But you have to be aware of it. You can't act like that doesn't exist or that's not a factor in what the world is viewing and how this may come across. And baby, when I tell you they got after my ass, they told got you. after me. Say that again? They told your ass up, didn't they? They got after, they got, they was mad, sis. They was mad with me on the yeah. And I was just very bugged out about it because I was, now granted, don't get me wrong, there were a lot of people who was like, you right, I get it, so on and so forth. I think where it was very clearly, there was a there was a generational divide, and then there was like a super duper pro militant feminism divide because they felt like I was trying to police the behavior of black women. And I felt like, well, I hear what you're saying, but I also live in a real world. And in the real world in which we live, these things are going to be said. These thoughts are going to be thought and acting like because we don't want them to exist, we could just wish them away is not realistic. Hillary, Kashmir, your, your thoughts on, on, on any of it that we're talking about. I, I just didn't see the, the purpose of them calling her. You know, um, I feel like that was- well, They didn't call her. Well, initially, initially, initially they, they subpoenaed her. And she was, and she tried to fight the subpoena. She voluntarily went on the stand from the state. That's really how it went down. But how? I guess from from the def, I guess the defense's perspective, catching her in and say some some type of lie or whatever, or if she if she'd have blown it, right? How would that would have been helpful? What do you mean they trying they they were trying to disqualify her? Disqualify her as the DA. Yeah, on the case. Are oh, you you way behind? We we got to get you caught up. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, they were trying yeah. to dis- 
credit her, which is what why she went, which is why she decided to testify. Because I think this woman is brilliant enough to understand how the law and the media intersect and how they love to throw out a red herring and act like one of these things has something to do with the other one. And they don't. And right. the fact of the, the mere fact that she got to say, I am not on trial. I am not the person who tried to steal an election. That moment in and of itself, that was the viral moment that everyone needed to hear. That was the thing that she got up on the stand to say. This is a red herring. This has nothing to do with what's going on. Who I sleep with, who I bed has absolutely nothing to do with this man who is the president trying to steal an election. And this is the thing that I had an issue with. We have been represented by someone who has completely malpracticed politics, law, and just any type of socialization. Donald Trump was our president. So anything after that, I have no critique for what Bonnie Lewis gets up and how irrational and angry she is. We literally, we had to sit under Donald Trump as our representative. So with that said, if she got up there and turned the whole the whole table over, I mean, okay. What is the world we live in now. That's what I would say. This is the new world. I get it, but and, and don't get me wrong, I, I I fully understand that sentiment. I think the thing that comes to mind is people always like to say to us, which I understand may not necessarily be the way to go, but also still warrants some consideration. We can't do what they do. So like what they set as their standard is not going to necessarily be applicable to us. Like I you know, the example that I always use, I always use this example is if I'm mentoring young men and I'm talking to them about talking to them about dealing with the police, I would love to be able to say to them, you can pull out your phone, you can start recording them, you can ask them questions, you can speak to them in the same tone they're speaking to you, but I want to make sure they come home at night. Is that right? No, that's not right. Is it fair? No, it's not fair, but it's also a reality that I'm aware of that if I'm being responsible and guiding them, I can't ignore. And that was really where, that's really where I think the finding conversation gets a little tricky, Hillary, because everything you said is right from a principle standpoint. It, it, it is absolutely right. But I don't think this conversation is about right and wrong. I yeah. think as it, it, as it, it never is. It's never about right and wrong. And to be black is to be so multipolar that like it's a space that we exist in that no one can understand. And like knowing when to do this thing mentally, emotionally, Orally, all of those things, it's something that we have to master so early in our lives. And I think that outwardly, one way that we change it is that respect, there's no them in us. You know, there's no them in us anymore. White gays and all, because they're going to, that's what they do. It, it's all this, you know, to, to make us feel like we're inferior or that we're doing something wrong. It's all this narcissistic bullshit that's always been done to us. So there's no them in us when it comes to like getting what we want, getting our way. There's no them in us. But between us, we know that there's them in us. Does that yeah. make sense? That's yeah. crazy. I know it's very multipolar, but there's no them in us. Like we can't care about what's what the backlash is going to be, what they're going to say. White gaze does not matter. It doesn't matter. We've always been concerned about that. And I think in part, a lot of that has been our problem. You know, at first it was religion, 
keeping us down. Now it's white gays and respectability. And what are they going to think? Who gives a fuck what white people are going to think? Generally speaking, generally speaking, I have no disagreement with you. The one caveat that I have with Bonnie, where I push back on, is she still got to put this dude in jail. She got, she still got to, she still has a case to prosecute. And that's the thing that I kept saying to people. Generally speaking, no pushback, no disagreement. Yeah. But but she still got a larger picture she's got to be mindful of in terms of like how someone feels about her could potentially impact how this case goes. The bigger picture. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So that's so I'm I'm aligned with you like pretty much completely. My only thing was why I said it specifically about her is and I got the I got the receipts, I got the tweets to prove it. I said <laughs> the difference is she still got a larger case that she's got to prosecute. So yeah. it matters in a different way. Kurt, I want to give you like one of the last words on this before we get out of here. Get the dude that she was dating on Club Shay Say so we can get the inside scoop on what how that went down. Period. You really gonna let that be the last word? You re- that's, that's, really- that's mad appropriate. Mess. Kurt, I thought you were turning over a new leaf in the no. new. No? Same no. old. We Same old curve. 2022 leaves. That's it. You know what it is. Please. Bring them in. <laughs> That's crazy. All I'll say about Fonny is the flesh is weak. And when you're a public servant like Fonny and you got to stick around a courthouse and make that little bitty wage, anybody walking by your door or your office, I mean, you think about it. Then people make this much money. They get this much access to the eggplants and the dingling. She saw him and she was like, come on. I mean, she was in a tough spot. I understood what happened before she even opened her mouth. I'm like, look at the work she's done. This woman ain't left there. She has not left downtown. She's been in there the whole time. This is who was passing by. She said, oh, my God. If only I could get a, a little bit of this off of me. A little, Just a little something off of me. She, she took this nigga to Tennessee. Then she said, if y'all think that's a vacation. I mean, it was the equivalent of Red Lobster. She took him to Tennessee. She said it was his birthday. I mean, I had to do something. I got him those ten of to Tennessee. Y'all been to Tennessee? There wasn't no celebration. There wasn't no damn celebration. She took this man to get some ribs and to hear the banjo. It was not no celebration. Come on now. With red cabbage coleslaw. You oh. see what I'm saying? They didn't ch- oh my god! Listen. We, we got, this was we got. not a love affair. This was not a love affair. <laughs> well, Pop say, wasn't she dating a DJ? I think his name was Duke. Pop said he loved the DJ. You know the DJ was bringing like fried gizzard baskets and shit by. Pops was like, I like him. You know what uh, I mean? basket is yeah, crazy. He, he said, I like him. DJ, dude, he be coming. He come through. He no, I think his Deuce. A, a, a slice of pound cake or something for the daddy when he come oh. by. He loved him. He was like, that's my dude. Mm, mm, mm. He don't care nothing about my blood pressure, my A1C, nothing. He just know what I like. He bring it to me every time he shows up. Fried gizzards. Fried gizzards. Doesn't he look like an old man who like, now I'm a lawyer, but I love me some fried gizzards. That's right. Tear him up. Shit. I'm just saying, that's where he come from. It's his roots of fried gizzards basket. DJ came through. He like, I got they hot too. Here you go, Pops. There you go. Yeah, you go. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. You know, see, that's what he said. Knock yourself out. That is going to do it for this episode of the Charles <laughs> Over Podcast. I want to thank 
Everyone's favorite chocolate drop. It'll be younger for joining along with my man, Cashmere Kirk Quillen, the six shooter. We're here every week, every Wednesday, a new episode drops. Amazing conversations, all sorts of laughs, entertainment, education on the Charles Coleman podcast, your new home for Black Brilliance. So we'll see you next week. Peace. Thank you.